0: Okay, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm David Lovell, and I'm delighted to say that uh, joining me is the very first female guest here on the show. I'm ashamed to say it's taken 12 episodes to get there, but uh, finally we have Carla Duran-Pooza uh, joining me for this episode. Uh, Carla, how's it going? It's going really well.
1: Thank you, David. I hope I We'll
0: live up to that awesome introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about awesome, but um, obviously, this is the first. Hey, first female. This is awesome.
1: There's some pressure
0: there. Oh, there's no there's no pressure at all. No pressure at all. But I, I am delighted to say this is the first podcast you've ever done as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. Ever. Yes. I've always been too
0: passionate. Um, so, obviously, you're, uh, we'll, we'll come on to the, uh, the questions I ask everybody. But as far as your sort of background, uh in terms of wrestling you've never actually worked around the business have you but you, you kind of got is it fair to say sort of contacts in the business and that kind of thing
1: yeah um totally i grew up in combat sports arena um so literally grew up in king's boxing gym in oakland california my dad then went on to have his own kickboxing school um, so I grew up going to fights of all kind of combat sports, um, including like tournaments as kids and stuff. And kind of through my exposure to live entertainment, um, found professional wrestling, fell in love, obviously. And then um, as mixed martial arts kind of started to grow and we started seeing a lot of lines crossed between media and such with wrestling and MMA. Um I made a lot of friends in the space, which is really cool. Um to see things from the other side. So I mean I'm still very much a fan. I've never had a pleasure of working in the field. It's not something that I would mind because it seems really fun, but just a fan, yeah.
0: So what is your earliest memory of wrestling?
1: Um, funny enough, it's my earliest memory is not an actual match. My earliest memory is the Rock and Wrestling um, cartoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and
1: when I think about, I think of you know watching at my grandma's house, eating a bowl of cereal. Um, I always go back specifically. There was an episode where Hillbilly Jim's, it was like his mom or his grandma served chili to the wrestlers, and it turned them into kids. Do you remember that?
0: I. <laughs> don't if i'm being honest no but uh, it does well, like the kind of thing that would happen on uh, on that show
1: so yes that was it i mean and jim's pig you know just the little things like that but it started with rock and wrestling um an actual wrestling something that really really sticks out because it was a traumatizing event for me um was piper's pit and you know andre confronting hogan and when he ripped off the chain i started weeping uncontrollably um my parents at that time had to sit me down and they kind of told me you know this stage scenarios and (laughs) it's it's not really authentic and and that made me cry more of course and so while i'm sure there were more memories before that time (laughs) that's the one that always sticks out because it was so traumatizing
0: so so which um so which rest has sort of captured your imagination as a kid then um
1: I mean, as a kid-kid, I'm talking, you know, eight, nine years old. It was any, anyone with an animal. so well, there's quite Jay, a lot,
0: then, with, at, at, at that Luke time. And Jay,
1: with Damien and, and then Lucifer, um, the Bulldogs and, and Matilda, Coco Beware, obviously, with Frankie. Like, I was really into any of the animals. And then anyone with face paint. So I was super into, like, Sensational Sherry. Of course, we Scary Sherry. Um, Ultimate Warrior... My brother still teases me to this day because I was obsessed with Demolition. And if you remember, the WWF had a cassette tape with all of the different entrances. And they had, like, Donkey Talk Man, but one of them was Demolition, and I used to listen to that. Oh, I like, love it. Like, it was my it. version of Heavy Metal.
0: Yeah, I love the <laughs> Demolition theme.
1: Yeah.
0: It's one of my favourite themes of all time. It's yeah. great. It you was great, yeah.
1: Capturing the imagination, that's
0: it did it's like here, here comes the axe here comes the smasher i, I, I won't sing it but i remember how it, i remember how it goes <laughs> but um yeah demolition they they it's unfair for them to be um called like rip-offs of the road warriors i, I never i never saw that I, I always thought demolition were very much her own team
1: oh same i mean you can draw parallels in terms of like you know outfitting and costuming and such but i think that that's where it stopped Um, especially from like the promo and obviously in ring they were totally different but and they still don't get love i think today which is crazy because now we've had enough time to look back you
0: know they should be in the hall of fame i think absolutely Um, but i think they they held the record for a very long time up until say a few years ago i think when new day overtook it but they were the longest reigning tag team champions for for many many years and i've always thought the powers of pain were more of a Sort of rip off of the Royal Warriors and Demolition were anyway. So, one
1: hundred percent, yeah.
0: Um, what was the first live event you attended?
1: Um, it was a Cow Palace house show. Uh, I actually have photos from that show. Um, the main event was Andre and the Ultimate Warrior, and the Ultimate Warrior, you know, won the belt. I'm doing quotation marks with my hands right now, Um, but it was an incredible experience. I remember being on my father's shoulders. Uh, The Cow Palace has like wood um, flooring And when the crowds get really excited, you can kind of like kick your feet on it and make noise and you can feel the energy. But I, to this day, remember like the smell and the feel. It was kind of swampy inside, but just one of my greatest memories. And I'm so blessed now thinking that I was lucky enough to see Andre live.
0: Yeah. And that must have been one of his, I guess that was one of his last matches. It must have been. Uh, It was.
1: It was. He was pretty frail.
0: Because I mean... When would that have been? That would have been what, late 80s? Yes, sir. So, yeah, yeah, by, by, I mean, he had, he had some, I mean, he had several matches towards the end, but they were, they were mainly sort of six man tags where he would do the, you know, he would do very, very little in those matches right. because he was, wasn't was able to, to really do anything. I mean, he was like standing, holding the ropes because, you know, he, he really couldn't move about at all at, at that point. But, uh, yeah, Andre is just, um, well, there's never going to be another like him. I mean, he was just a one-off, wasn't he, to be honest? I mean, there's been giants yeah. since, but no one quite like Andre.
1: Not never, yeah. Well, and then you, you just... You could feel his energy, right? And I just... I, I loved that about him, that he didn't even have to say a word. And aside from his, you know, obvious size, um, he just emanated, like, love, if that makes sense. As a little kid, I always felt that anyways. Of course, until he ripped off Hogan's chain. <laughs>
0: I take it you, I take it you love the Princess Bride movie as well.
1: Oh, absolutely! Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. At any point in your sort of fandom of wrestling, did you did you ever lose interest or fall out of love with it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say I lost interest in what I call the Shawn Michaels years. So, like. 93 to about early 97. Right. uh, Because late 97, I remember starting to go back to shows and it was, I found my love for it, but you know, I was in high school and I was hanging out with my friends and I had other stuff to do. And so I just kind of felt out of love with it. Um, And then sadly enough, during the pandemic, like I tried for the first couple months um, and I just wasn't feeling it anymore. So I, I've totally been out of touch since everything closed down.
0: Well, that sort of leads on to the next question i ask everybody, which is what are your viewing habits now? What do you watch from a from a week-to-week basis? So do you not really watch any wrestling on a, on a regular basis right now? I do not,
1: no. Um, every now and then I'll visit old stuff on YouTube just to entertain me, stuff that I already know that I love. Um, but, I mean, I always do the big four. Like I'll never go away from that. Cause even the Shawn Michaels years, I always watch the big four, um, for WWE, any AEW pay-per-view. I will try to watch. Um, I really like what they're doing overall from like a bigger picture, um, uh, perspective. And if I can manage it time wise, I love to get any of the Japanese shows, but it's hard because my toddler likes to get up at six and seven in the morning. I just can't do all nighters anymore. <laughs>
0: well that could work out quite well for for wrestle kingdom and things like that because that, that tends to be uh no actually no well, it, i suppose it wouldn't be what time would it be in california it would be uh yeah it would be like 1 a.m wouldn't it if it oh, was yeah. so yeah, that, that's, yeah. So, but
1: if my son was an yeah absolutely you know what i mean because i was getting up in the middle of the night to feed him so i would make a little charcuterie board <laughs> and, and stay up but now that he's has a normal sleep schedule it's just impossible
0: so i know, you know i listened to dave and brian on observer radio and and they're they're doing it at like one or two in the morning and and wrestle kingdom's still going on and they're they're trying to do a a podcast i'm like guys what are you doing i mean i i I, I appreciate i I appreciate so much the efforts these these guys go to to do these regular shows um you know dave will never miss a show which i i really respect a lot um but um so yeah you don't really watch what do you make of wrestlemania this year then with, with with no fans it was just it was just strange wasn't it it was really eerie because obviously yeah. this was way back when they were doing shows in the performance center so there was no sort of thunder dome there was no there was no nothing it was just i mean you could hear the commentators you know you could hear them in the building couldn't you because of how the fact there was no nobody in the arena um yeah it was just it was I, yeah, just, it was just weird
1: energy. I needed the energy of the crowd and I didn't get it. And then, of course, at the end, I always say, you know, Drew just deserved that in front of a big crowd. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: You always think of those things and it's like, well, who am I to complain? This poor man has worked his whole life and, you know, this is the culmination of it, kind of. Um, But, yeah, I I feed so much off of the energy of the crowd. Um, It was sad. And I think that might might be part of the reason why I've turned away during the pandemic is that it's just like this constant room reminder you know when wrestling has always been my outlet for things so in life growing up if there's ever something that was like a tough time in my life wrestling has always been an outlet for me and now obviously everyone's going through their own challenges with the pandemic I don't want to be reminded of it in my television watching so it is a constant reminder because the entire scope of wrestling has changed more so I think than any of the sports I watch
0: no, I, t- I totally see that. I think it says a lot that the... I think the most memorable match the most memorable match at WrestleMania this year was probably the Boneyard match. Oh, um, absolutely. And that was the sort of match they took away. I mean, it wasn't the only one because they had the, the, obviously the Firefly Funhouse match, which a lot of people liked. Uh, it was certainly very different. Uh, it was but was um,
1: Yeah, it was a fever dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it made all the sense for them to do cinematic matches this year to take just to take people away from the fact that you're doing a wrestling show in a building with nobody there so I, I think um not all the cinematic matches have been great this year by any means but it was certainly a good idea to do your oh, matches was that was I
1: mean I of course was a few drinks in at the time but I was so excited like <laughs> jumped off my couch you know was going crazy on Twitter I thought that it was brilliant it was just something new and fun and i bought into
0: all of it did you see the aw stadium uh, stadium stampede match as well
1: loved every minute of it
0: that was fantastic <laughs> yeah that was probably those two are the best ones they've done i mean some of the others yeah are, are worth watching but yeah uh, i think uh the boneyard match was brilliant this year and because i mean if they had done undertaker aj styles in a straight up match it, it would not have lived up i don't think to the expectations you yeah, know ne- obviously it would never have compared to take as great matches with sean
1: no no way no,
0: no way no because-
1: um but the theatrics alone i think that was like an extra cast member right like the, the boneyard itself was an extra cast member um and we will just always remember it. it will always i think that kids will look back down when you you know are doing this show Twenty thirty years from now, and you ask what's your you know what captures your imagination that's the match kids you're
0: going to refer to yeah, I could see that I could definitely see that um the next sort of set of questions I call rapid fire and i I sort of yes. say on every episode, I don't know why I called it rapid fire because it never is it never <laughs> is, but that's absolutely fine um favorite wrestler of all time, so if you had to pick just one wrestler uh as your absolute favorite uh who would it be?
1: still called
0: Steve Austin. that's a good choice
1: <laughs> adore, yeah. adore him
0: do you listen to his um well, I mean he doesn't do his podcast as regularly as he used to but have, did you used to listen to his podcast oh, I used to love listening to him and especially yes,
1: occasionally
0: especially when he was he would tell stories about being stuck in traffic and that kind of thing just the way he tells stories is just so compelling and it, it's so great to listen to yes
1: I even watched the. Sh- I gave his show uh- Run a couple of
0: times too. I just love him. Yeah, he's great. At everything he does, and, and he's always very well prepared when he talks to people. I mean, he obviously yes. does his research and he knows all about his guests. And and yeah, I, I I love I love him as well. I mean, have you always been a fan of him? Even back to when he was stunning Steve in WCW.
1: Well, no. So here's something that I always get made fun of for David is that I was a complete WWF homer and later WWE. So I asked my you know group of wrestling fan friends, you know, do I need to watch WCW because I never watched WCW. Of course, I was always aware of who the characters were and such, but I never watched. I've never went back and watched. Um, and one of my buddies actually teases me that I can't be a real wrestling fan because I did not watch WCW,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but never watched.
0: No, I would have seen him first in WCW. I mean he was great with Brian Pillman as as yes. the Hollywood Blondes and there was there, there was that time when he was in the Dangerous Alliance, uh with you know Arn Anderson and Rick Rude and Bobby Eaton and Larry Zabisco, obviously Paul Heyman as their as their manager. That was a great yeah, he was great. I mean he's always been great. Uh but obviously by the time he got to WWF and really had that big run, sadly, you yeah, know, the match with Owen uh, summer Sam, i think 97 you know he lands on his head and he was never the same he was still good but he was never the same performer after that he sort of had to change his style up and become more of a sort of brawler towards the end of his career but there's still some really great matches i mean he had a great one with um uh you know great matches with cut angle for example i mean i think i thought those two in the summer of 2001 Uh, when that invasion angle was going on which was obviously not well received at all but I thought him and Kurt Angle just really had a great feud over that summer which not a lot of people talk about now which is a shame because I thought it was really good
1: well now I feel like everybody will always and it's one of my favorite matches too so I'm one of the everybody's but they always reflect on you know WrestleMania 23 with obviously him and Brett um and yeah. That actually was that for, for what it's worth was kind of because like I said, I always watched before, that was the match that kind of reinvigorated my love for professional wrestling because it had all of the pageantry that I loved. you know you had foreign objects, you had submissions, which comes from my MMA background. You had blading. <laughs> it just <laughs> provided everything. It was this mortgage board. and I'll always think of that match first which now
0: obviously i have to go back and do my wcw's don't hold the well studying steve homework but <laughs> but no sport. i i think that match you yeah, know was such a historic match in many ways because you know 1997 was such a huge year and yes. that feud and then obviously the the canada versus usa thing which i think is one of the best storylines they've ever done i really do yes. i thought the canadian stampede pay-per-view where you had the Heart Foundation, all five all five of them. Sadly Brett's the only one left now. But the Heart Foundation versus like Stone Cold and uh was it LOD and, and Goldust and Ken Shamrock, that was a really great match and all the hearts coming in the ring at the end, just a, a really great moment. It, and I thought ninety seven was a great year for Brett. It's just obviously ended the worst possible way, but uh yeah, um Stone Cold, what can we say? Just um I mean, he really was, I mean, for a shorter time than Hogan, obviously because of the neck injury, that was sort of the biggest reason. And also him yes. turning heel at WrestleMania 17 was such a mistake in hindsight. Um, but his run was one of the biggest runs anyone's ever had, for sure. Legendary,
1: yeah. Well, and he changed the game in so
0: many ways, right? Um, no, he absolutely did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was... I mean, everyone could relate to him as well. He's this, um, you know, this guy, you know, attacking his boss every week, right? I mean, who does... He's not going to get behind that. Everyone, everyone would Beer love...
1: drink, and work.
0: Absolutely. Everyone would love to give their boss a stunner every now and again. And, he, and here he yeah. is doing it every week on, on, on yeah. TV. The
1: middle finger was a sign of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: where well, he would get up on the apron and... and uh, Give the fans a middle finger. Yeah, it was a great endorsement. Uh, but um, well,
1: I've attended so many matches live, and I can confirm that there are few things like being surprised by you know the glass breaking. I mean, that energy is is pretty unmatched.
0: Oh yeah, I mean obviously there's, there's no crowds right now, but the one yeah. the one well not the only guaranteed huge part, because there's, there's there's several. I mean there's the yes. The obviously the the sexy boy Shawn Michaels theme starting up. That's always going to get a reaction. You know, Goldberg rock, always right. gets a reaction uh, when his music starts up. But yeah, I mean there's yeah. there's a there's a different kind of pop when you hear that glass smashing and and Stone Cold yes. comes out. It's on a different uh, level, uh, really, isn't it? Oh, a hundred.
1: Well, and I will say the only one that kind of is close to that is the Dong and the Lights oh, Out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Favourite match of all time? So would that be Bretton and Austin, or would it be a different match?
1: I I think so. I mean, that's definitely the one that kind of, at that point in my life as a fan, like I said, it reinvigorated my love. I always, though, give an honourable mention to um, Sasha and Bailey at TakeOver Brooklyn.
0: Oh, love that match, yeah.
1: I've watched it multiple times. I mean, and it was just you know being a woman growing up as a wrestling fan we we had like wendy richter but she was a little bit before my time um miss elizabeth you know as a valet of course and sherry but we i didn't have a lot of exposure of course i was a big fan of glow afterwards but um to see those women put on a performance like that was sensational
0: Now, there was prior to this kind of women's revolution or whatever they've been calling it uh with you know Sasha and Bailey and, and Becky and Charlotte and all the other great female wrestlers that have come along I don't want to uh, miss anybody out but I don't also don't want to sort of sit here naming loads of names either but yeah they, they've done such a great job but th- there was two sort of spells prior to that obviously when I, I don't think you were, you were watching the wrestling at the time but when um Medusa was in the WBF as Alondra Blaze and she had her That's the Shawn Michaels era. That's your Michaels era, yes. There was that spell, and then they didn't really do anything with women for a long time, until like sort of two thousand three, two thousand four, when you had like Trish Trish. and Lita and Molly Holly and Victoria and all the other great girls. They had them, which kind of a little bit gets overlooked now because of how good you know Sasha and Bailey and Becky and all the others are. And the fact they've had the first women's Hell in a Cell and the first women's Royal Rumble, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. not that right. it takes away from what Trish, Lita, and the others were doing, but I thought they sort of played a very big part as well.
1: I, I 100% agree. I just think that the oversexualization during the Attitude Era, unfortunately, um, takes more of a it it gets in the way of that i think a lot um because trish was i loved trish lita obviously was pretty exceptional for that time right um i don't
0: know i don't know what happened i would
1: just say that it's probably that over sexualization because everyone always you know the puppies of it all right
0: yeah because they all they all i mean trish i mean trish started out doing all those kind of you know bra and panties matches and that kind of thing and and she evolved into a very very good women's wrestler one of the best one of the best they've ever had um but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's... Um, and unfortunately, after that, I mean, there was a time... Obviously, you still have people like Beth Phoenix, who was great. And um, yes. who was the other big one? Oh, on Natalia, I suppose. I mean, Natalia was um, has been around She's a long so- time now. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, she has. and And it took a long time to kind of find her footing, too, right?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, she... I mean, you can make an argument she's the best women's wrestler they've ever had in Dudabee. Certainly one of them. Um, it's just incredible.
1: That Stuart Canadian lineage, man. <laughs>
0: well, that, yeah, that certainly goes a long way for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, favourite match of all time, Brett and, Brett and Austin. That match has been picked out by quite a few people now. You, you won't be surprised to know. You're not the first person to mention <laughs> that one. Uh, but I always, I love their match at Survivor Series 96 as well. Yeah, you, you ever see, see that I one? I didn't
1: watch that until after it happened, so I don't remember the storylines going into that and what kind of got us to that point until it did. not come until way after that I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, Brett Brett was gone after WrestleMania twelve. Uh, this was like his first match back after like six months or whatever it was and he actually chose i think i I believe he actually chose austin as his opponent because brett you know thought this guy was going to be something big and obviously i mean no one could have foreseen how big he got but um yeah austin always you yeah, know, he was always a great wrestler and always had great charisma but i think in many ways it was an ECW run funnily enough which was only a very short run he had there Uh, but he came in after being fired by Eric Bischoff in WCW and he couldn't wrestle at the time because he was injured but he would just cut promos in like Paul Heyman's mum's basement which is where a lot of the ECW promos were done I think I'm right in saying well they were done in Paul Heyman's mum's basement and he'd be down there sort of doing his impersonations of Eric Bischoff and Dusty Rhodes and Hogan. Have you ever seen any of those promos at all?
1: So cool. No, I've not, but I have a good buddy who is a very very big ECW collector and fan. Um so anything that I need I could ask from him. You yeah. Know, they, they, those are really context, of course.
0: Yeah, those are really where the Stone Cold character was born because I mean he was always a great mechanic so- in the ring but this is where he really got a chance to show what a great promo cutter he was and he's certainly one of the best promo cutters of all time now I, I, would, I would say he's up there in on that list for sure um best show you've ever attended live uh, well what what, what what would that be um
1: probably be best but my Favorite? It's kind of a tie. Um, So, WrestleMania 31, um, it was good for sentimental reasons. So, I got very lucky, and Lillian Garcia was performing with her band at one of our kind of smaller locals only casinos, and she was giving away a pair of tickets to WrestleMania. So I thought about it, thought that I would have really good chances because I doubted a bunch of people would show up. I was correct. She did a raffle. There was me and about 30 other people. I won. Mm-hmm. So I won two tickets to WrestleMania, two tickets to Monday Night Raw, two tickets to the Hall of Fame, two tickets to the SmackDown after. I mean, I just, it was everything, which was just incredible. And it was back at home. I'm from the Bay Area. Um so I mean just so cool to be going back home I'm, my birthday has always been around Wrestlemania so it's always been a birthday thing for me to watch um, The Rock comes out and he does his finally The Rock and then he stops <laughs> and he says has come home and I went ballistic because of course <laughs> he's a Area kid like I am so just for the sentimental reasons Wrestlemania 31 it was a great show too though You not- um, but I'm
0: sorry so i'm gonna say you're not the first person to mention wrestlemania 31 either because um john john the rocker uh yes. mentioned wrestlemania 31 on his podcast and so did uh mike gilbert they i think they were both they were both there as well i mean that was that was obviously we, we talked a, a bit about it on on both of those shows but this was the one where they had obviously sting wrestling for yeah. the very first time well my
1: sting experience was ruined to be honest because it was you know daytime um and so it was like a magic hour oh yeah i remember oh, yeah i didn't get the full sting experience
0: i remember that because i think i want to say it wasn't even that dark when taker came out
1: right correct
0: for his Correctly match
1: with um... of our experiences
0: I mean, you. um, I mean, for the Undertaker, you've got to have his match later on than where they put it. I mean, I think uh, I can't. I can't remember whereabouts it was on the card, but he obviously wrestled Bray Wyatt because that was the, that was the year after the streak had ended, wasn't it?
1: it was the new orleans and i was actually out of the country when that happened i still to this day have not watched that match because my tweet leaving the country was you know may the streak stay intact while i'm gone and (laughs) i heard about it and was like i I can't do
0: it (laughs) no that was i would never have ended it i I also don't think brock needed it brock didn't need to end the streak i mean i i think taker has said that if he could go back and change it, I think he would. He would have Roman be the one to end the streak. But I, I still would never have anyone do it. I think it was the one thing they should have left as it was. Um, but it did kind of get to the point where every every year at WrestleMania, the streak was bigger than the title match. You know, there, there was you know, I I thought that the streak had sort of become way more important than anything they could do for a main event.
1: I mean, just with that allure alone, that was reason enough to keep it around. Do
0: you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because even when CM Punk faced him, and there was always like this one moment where you almost believe for a second it might end in every single one. There's a famous one That's- where he had the hell in the cell with, with with Hunter and, and Triple H. Um, I think, I want to say Sean does the switch in music and then. Triple H has a pedigree right after, and everyone thought that was going to be it, and he kicked out. There's always like <sighs> sort of one moment, isn't there, in every single taker match up until the Brock one. So when Brock does finally beat him, everyone is kind of just sat there in shock. I think everyone... They, yeah. everyone everyone's, you yeah, know, everyone watching is, is like the guy in the front row with the, his eyes are, are, are <laughs> wider than, you
1: know.
0: The infamous meme, yeah. The, the infamous meme, yeah. But, um,. There's even a there's a photo of Undertaker with that guy, and if you've ever if you've ever seen that, I
1: have seen that. Yes. Yeah,
0: it's a great photo. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, but um, so yeah, WrestleMania 31. I mean, it's, it's It's not considered it's not considered one of the greatest WrestleManias. I don't think, right. but it's I thought it was a really good. I I think the best match on that show. I'm trying to remember, probably Seth and Randy. I would say maybe.
1: Uh, I know that from just the energy i remember feeling because i still haven't went back and watched it on tape i just wanted to have that feeling of experiencing it live um from what i remember that had the best energy
0: and obviously seth cashed in at the very end in the main event with with brock and and roman and that was that was a great moment uh with seth winning the title
1: incredible the lady behind me was crying i have a photo of it
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, because that was probably the best ending they could have come up with, because Roman was not over at that point. And, 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 if, and if he had won, I don't know how the crowd would have reacted to that. Um, but I think Seth coming in, cashing in, was a great moment, and that was probably the best ending they could have come up with, I think.
1: I agree. Well, and then up to that point, Seth had kind of been separating himself and showing what he can personally do as a singles wrestler, and it was impressive so why not and then roman's time
0: obviously came much later yeah roman's doing the best work of his career i would say right now um since, he's he, since he came back yeah. he's really i mean he's always been good and I, I i kind of feel bad for him in a way that there's been so much backlash to yes. his push yeah because it's not his fault but you know i think a lot of people initially when it first started it was because he wasn't daniel bryan that was that that was the initial problem and it just got to the point where they were just trying and trying and trying to make him the the guy and the crowd were just rejecting it and rejecting it and it's yeah i I feel bad for roman because he's definitely got more so than probably anybody else right now he comes across as such a a a big time star yeah when you when you when you watch him He's got an aura and a presence about him. Not many others, to be fair to the current roster, who are all great workers, but there's not many that have that sort of star quality. You know, John Cena was probably the last, maybe the last one to really have that, I guess.
1: Drew? Has yeah, the, Drew, has yeah. yeah. I like Drew. I feel like he has the you know where
0: he could be a movie star almost he has that energy that aura he definitely does to a, to a point yeah I, I think um yeah it's, it's really been a shame that there's been no fans because I'm sure Drew would have got over huge he's had, he's had a great run as champion regardless of, of the situation and I love the fact that he I mean I know that watch it very closely but he would sort of look at the camera and engage with the crowd at home which is something not a lot of people do a lot of people just wrestle like there's fans there you know they're getting up on the apron and it's like well who are you sort of getting up on the apron for there's nobody there but drew's actually trying to engage with people at home which is a really clever way of doing things
1: yeah absolutely
0: um yeah he, he definitely gets it he's definitely got it whatever that it thing is yeah he's definitely got it and and roman the, uh, Ro-
1: the silent the silent version of each and every one of you. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> stare. Absolutely. But, I, I, yeah, I think Roman and Drew, there's, there's a reason they're the champions, right? I mean, they're, they're, def- they're definitely, in the right, definitely in the right spot. But the final question I ask everyone, and, and a lot of people don't know how to really go about answering this question because you can sort of go in any sort of direction you want, really, with it, is what would you change about the wrestling business if you could change one thing what would it be now I'm, I'm sort of guessing that you don't look at wrestling in the same way that a lot of us do so we could probably sit here and say oh a million and one things we would change about the business right now I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not that kind of you haven't got that kind of mindset but is there one thing that kind of bugs you or something that you would like to sort of change about it in any way
1: um i mean mine is Probably more closely related, and I know that this comes from the work that I do in and around combat sports. Um, I take great umbrage with the lack of oversight um, regarding healthcare and meaningful post-career assistance. Um,
0: you know, there's like the complex
1: issue of owning or not owning one's likeness. It's stuff like that that I feel like I I wish I could help out these guys. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we take 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 so much from them while they're
0: performing and then they just kind of get lost to history. No, that's that's a really that's a really uh, yeah, I I agree completely with that because I think that, you know, wrestling a lot of times you not not all the time, but a lot of times with wrestlers, wrestling is all they know, right? You know, that's that's yes. all they've ever known and so when their time has come and gone, it's very very difficult to transition into a sort of everyday life you know when you're so used to being you know a professional wrestler and that's all you know and we've seen so many cases over the years where people have just not been able to transition into that 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 sort of lifestyle you see guys i mean god bless him but terry funk you know who, who's, who's wrestling into his i think he's into his 70s now he must be getting on i mean he must be in his 70s but he's still out there he still you know, he would he would still be out there wrestling and Jerry Lawler's another one that yeah, I I just think that um guys sometimes don't know how to get out of wrestling.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, I, I think that um I think WWE does a great job to you know, obviously they, they always welcome these guys back for the most part and, and they have them out there on like legends nights and this kind of thing. But there's a lot of guys that that doesn't happen to you know. That's that's only a minority of guys. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that just, as you say, get lost to history.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's the same stuff that bothers me with combat sports. I mean, I work every single day, and you know, to try to change things as much as I can given my resources and the, and the things that are in my control. But um, with wrestling, I, I just don't know if I, I see there being change possible for combat sports I don't feel the same optimism for professional
0: wrestling unfortunately no I think um yeah like I said the people that do have careers afterwards or 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 live a relatively normal lifestyle are yeah I I wouldn't like to say what percentage it is but it's it's a very small percentage I would say of 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 wrestlers and yeah i I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't think we'll ever see any kind of sort of union either, which I think is a, is a shame because there, there should be something out there. For, because at the end of the day, they're they're builders. In, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. Continue.
1: No, continue.
0: Now, I was just going to say. I, I know they're sort of builders as independent contractors. You know, especially yes. the WWE wrestlers are, but we all know they're not really because they're right. not allowed to go and work elsewhere i know it's a different story in aew because obviously guys are still taking indie bookings and they still can wrestle in japan or or mexico or wherever but yeah it's just a real i don't know i've always felt very uneasy about this independent contractor term which it, it doesn't really no it doesn't really make any sense to me not at all
1: they're clearly mislabeled um you know, shout out to Garrett, uh one of his screen legends, Gabrielle Carteris, had reached out to Zelina Vega in regards to maybe you know, having the conversation about putting wrestlers under the SAG umbrella. And I thought, wow, you know, that would be a really viable option for them because they are entertainers and, and you know, they do tell the line, of course, that would probably be an insurance nightmare, but that's not for me to decide. Um <laughs> But there's a little light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like, I thought that, that might work. Um, and who knows what happens when, I don't want to sound negative, but when Vince ultimately dies, what happens? What direction do
0: they go in? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have, um, well, not a lot of people, but some people have answered that question, that final question, by saying, you know, if I could change one thing, it would be who's in charge of B. E. And they, they would love to see... You know, Triple H, what he would do if he was in charge, uh, what direction he would take it in. Obviously, he's done a tremendous job of NXT and yes. a, a tremendous job of the Hall of Fame as well because a lot of people don't give him the credit. I'd say a lot of people don't give him the credit but he does a great job of, of getting people in like Bruno and The Warrior and, and guys that Vince fell out with or you know wasn't didn't have a good relationship with he was able to sort of build those bridges and bring those guys, especially Bruno San Martino, getting him into the hall of fame was very, very important i think and i'm I'm so glad that happened before he passed away because you can't really call it a hall of fame without Bruno San martino
1: oh, I love that, yeah,
0: you really can't because I know obviously he's before both of our times, but i mean he was he was such a legendary figure
1: he, he was yeah. larger
0: than life and yeah his life story is i don't know if you know his life story at all but it's it's so incredible
1: yeah only from dave <laughs>
0: but yeah I mean, I, I mean dave could tell you could talk to you yeah. all day about bruno san martino i'm sure i can yeah. i could only scrape the surface but yeah <laughs> bruno i mean yeah i mean there there'd never be another one like bruno san martino i mean he was just uh he was a wild oh,
1: man
0: absolutely um, Carla, I mean, we we could talk much longer. As I said to every guest on this show, I mean, we can only s- say so much on this podcast because of the questions. And uh, but um, I, I'm definitely going to do more of these in the in the future. And I I want to do more podcasts in general. You know, not just this podcast, but more podcasts in general because I I love sitting down and talking to fans such as yourself. You know, who. We only sort of know each other from the Facebook group, but the Facebook group is so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's such a great, I I would say it's almost like a family in in a way. Everyone gets on so well and we have disagreements, we have fallings out, but you know it's never anything major we we. Yeah, no, it's all,
1: and it's all in, done in a respectful way right so and we challenge each other's thinking it's it's done in a smart way and i really appreciate everybody in that group for you know kind of sticking to that um mo of like okay we can have a disagreement but let's really talk it out change my mind you know
0: absolutely yeah I, I think that um i mean garrett will come on this podcast very soon and 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 at the end of the day this podcast wouldn't exist without Garrett because without Garrett there would be no Facebook group in the first place and um you know I've now gotten to be friends with an awful lot of the guys in that group guys and girls in that group and it's really been the best um sort of internet experience I've ever had in terms of being part of a group or a forum of any kind because my experiences in the past have not always been great with, with, with those types of things I mean especially with wrestling I mean unfortunately wrestling seems to I don't know it just seems to uh, bring out the worst in people sometimes and you get the worst kind of characters on the sort of message boards and forums um, not all of them, obviously, but it's obviously a minority. But yeah, there's just—I um, mean, it's almost like a cesspool sometimes uh, when you look at these. Oh, a these lot forums. of times, yeah. I mean,
1: imagine having—you know—a uterus. Like you know, the guys always try. I test you, and how much do you know? And I'm like, I have no interest in trying to prove my fandom to you. <laughs> like, leave me alone. I always say, like, talking wrestling with a stranger is either the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world because there is definitely a huge group of insufferable fans. And I don't know if they're fans because so many times I feel like they hate wrestling. So I'm like, why are you watching it yeah, anyways?
0: I, I make the mistake sometimes of watching Dynamite live on the, on the Fight app. <laughs> Um, because obviously you can get it on the fight app um, but um, I don't watch it every week because it's all not like 1 o'clock in the morning and, and 1 o'clock in the morning is not a very good time for me to be watching wrestling I've got work the next day but on the times I have been on there I made the mistake of looking on the message board and, and people commenting while the show's on and yeah, I I, I closed it very, very quickly because... Some of the comments on there were just I just couldn't believe some of the comments I was reading, but that's just uh, unfortunately you are going to find that. But um, yeah, the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group is is a is a great place to to be, and and I've really loved. I've been on there very long. You know, I, I only joined in like September, um, so only like five months. But yeah, I, I can't imagine not being a part of it now. Is it's just. It's, it's, it's just um, yeah i have really enjoyed being a part of it and having the people i've had on so far and will continue to have on um doing the podcast it's been yeah it's been a real labor of love in many ways i
1: love that so much i mean to be that's i don't scroll through facebook anymore
0: that's the group is pretty much my sole yeah same same with me yeah i i don't bother anything else on facebook um i only go really to the group and yeah, it's just I, I yeah I love it it's absolutely great and and with Garrett you know starting the patreon uh, for the podcast it was a no-brainer for me to to, to, to join up and become a patreon uh, because I just love the content that John and, and Garrett and everyone else puts out They're a good group of
1: people.
0: Thank you very much, Carla. I've, I've really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you made this podcast the very first one that you, uh, you were a part of. I feel, I feel honoured that crazy. you chose this.
1: <laughs> I, I was so scared. And once we started talking, I felt very comfortable. So thank you so much. You're really great at what you do
0: oh thank you very much and like you say it was a, it was a big thing being the first female guest on the on the podcast but you won't be the last i'm sure I'd like I say keela's going to be on at some point in february i mean she she does a great job as well i mean have you had a chance to listen to any of her podcast work at all no no but i've
1: heard nothing but good things so i'm excited
0: yeah absolutely uh, so carla thank you very much indeed and uh i'll be back with another two episodes of this podcast next week